Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, friends. Welcome back to Second Act with Bonnie Somerville. That's me. I hope that you are already subscribed and that you have downloaded the podcast. But if you haven't, I'm just going to remind you, please do so. And please tell your friends and go and give me that five-star review and say something nice because I want to keep bringing you these great interviews. And that's the only way I could do it, apparently. I got to get more subscribers and more reviews. And please follow me at Second Act underscore pod on Instagram and also me, Bonds with a Z, Somerville on Instagram. I am really, really, truly excited to bring you this chat. This is uh, somebody who is extremely important to me, and I do not say that lightly. This was my very first friend in the business I ever made, um, my very first pilot, which went to my first series 21 years ago. I was 25 years old. Oh, God, that's scary. Um, she is a brilliant actress in every area, a brilliant friend, and has seen everything you can imagine. She's been acting since she was eight years old. And in this interview, we really go there. Um, We went deep. We talk about everything from getting fired to getting insulted to getting Me Too'd before there was a Me Too to worrying about getting married and having kids and what that would do to our careers and how when we started we had no power whatsoever and there was no social media there was no there was none of this you you weren't allowed to even talk about your feelings um if you wanted to keep a job and we've had some pretty crazy shit said to us and we've had some pretty crazy things happen and we've been there for each other let me tell you through Everything from boyfriends to fired agents to agents firing us to shows firing us to parents to death to loss to being broke, being rich, being broke again. Um, Not rich, but, you know, doing well. Anyway, this is someone I really love from the bottom of my heart. I actually get teary when I think about her because she was there for me through so much. Look, I'm actually tearing up. (laughs) I'm such a nerd. But I love her very, very much. And um, her name is Miss Lindsay Sloan. Please enjoy this one. Here I am with Lindsay Sloan. Hi, friend. Hi, friend. I'm actually the most excited for this one than I've ever been for anyone. Very sweet. I hope I remember any of our past and any of our stories and I'm able to satisfy your needs because I'm so old now and oh my God. and I'm older than you so don't say that no but my brain is so much older than yours <laughs> yeah you've always you've always had like brain fart memory with stuff I don't I have like I have natal depletion I, <laughs> I read an article that after my kids my brain just shrunk and died and I literally don't remember things. So it will be fun to try to go down memory lane with you. Well, we could try, but we can also, well, let's start by telling everyone, I did my very first show called Gross Point, which we're still not over the cancellation, by the way, on the Still w- not over, 20 nope. years later, and we still are waiting still for that over. call that it might come back. <laughs> that was my very first pilot that I met you on, and it was 20 one years ago. That is insane. That's so crazy. 
and it I just saw our director. But also not long ago at all. It, it seems like, like yesterday, but I saw our director the other night, Andy Fleming. Oh, I the most so much. And it's we talked greatest. about it and we talked about you. And I said how I was going to tell, I, I said, I told Lindsay, I'm going to see you. And we talked about, which is, this is part of like the whole second act thing that I replaced on the third day an Oscar nominated, I don't know if she, she has one. She's, she's won. won, right? She's been nominated so many nominated. times. I think she's definitely won. Amy Adams, who I replaced on the third day of shooting that you guys were already shooting. And it was like her third show she had been fired from, her third yeah, pilot. She, I feel like she had told us that she was fired yeah. from something else before And that we, well. we talked about that. And he said that he was recently talking about Gross Point with um, Robin Schiff, another one of our mm-hmm. great producers. And he said, you know what? It's so funny, though. We were talking about you and we were saying that Amy could never have done that role. And I, and I was like, really? Because she's like the most brilliant, multi-talented. And he goes, no, but it just goes to show that it's just some people can just do some things. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm still not over the fact that, like, why didn't I have her? Why didn't she get that? And I got her jobs. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it's that just was true. It's just that thing where I feel that as actors, when we go in a room and we audition, we're always just like, I know I'm right for this. I know I can do it. But that doesn't mean that the creatives on the other end are seeing the same thing. They have an idea of what they want. Amy Adams is brilliant. Like, brilliant. She's proven to be brilliant over and over again. And when we were there, there was just something for them that wasn't clicking. I I'm remind sure. myself of that story when I think of all the times I've been fired or replaced because... You have, how many times have you been fired? You've had, you've never been I've fired. Been replaced, I was replaced in a movie where they, they reshot. Um, I was in a movie called in the land of women. And I was in like the last scene and it was like the climax building like, up to like Adam Brody, like, you know, finally meeting the girl and having a meet cute. It was a movie with Meg Ryan that Jonathan Kasdan directed. And I was, it was so fun and so exciting and we shot it and it was great. And then he had to call me and tell me that when they tested, there was just some studio exec that was like, no, I don't feel like that's the girl that people are going to be excited about that he's with in the end. And it was, you know, I feel now I feel so much for the people that have had to make those calls to me. Um, because that's a lot of that, empathy, girl. That you 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 have more empathy than I do. <laughs> I, you, I mean, look, I, obviously, I feel bad for myself, and it felt awful in the moment. But now that I'm removed from it and on the other side of it, it's like it's not personal. It's like whatever. It's one guy that saw that that scene and was just like, I wouldn't date her. Right. I, like it, that's how simple it is. That's quickly yeah. dreams can be crushed. In <laughs> but on the positive note, it's like you know. If she hadn't gotten let go, I wouldn't have gotten that show, which started my whole career. It was my first pilot. I was 25. And then when I met her years later through a mutual friend, she was so like, oh, my God, yeah, you got that show. And like so happy and nice and sweet about it. And and she's so open about that part of her life where she thought, I'm never going to work again. Yeah. My agents, her agents dropped her. She was like absolutely devastated. Then she gets June bug and her whole life changes. So you just have no idea. I know. What do we always I, say? They were always one job away from an Oscar in this business or an Emmy, like one that's job. Why, I'm assuming that's why we stick with it, even though it's so painful. <laughs> but the highs are so high. Right. The lows are so low. But I think you like we love it. But there's also some sort of masochistic thing that we've <laughs> chosen to do to ourselves to stick 
with it, to stick with a career where there's so little control. I mean, I think that the narrative has shifted so much since we were younger and now people are taking, like have the control in a way that we never thought we could. Well, we We always talk about that when I I, I talked about that lately on the show, like when we started, there was no um, social media. There was no, we never thought we could be writers or direct, like we never thought any of that was, was possible. Like now people are just multi faceted, multi-titled people. Like it's like you're writing now. You're finally writing. You're writing something right for the first time. Yeah, I'm, I'm so trying proud to, of you. Thank you. Thank, I look, I'm so proud of you for for this. I mean, I, I I don't even think it was that social media didn't even exist. It was that we grew up in a time in the business where we did we weren't even really allowed to have an opinion about a scene, right. like or change a line, or we were hired help. And we were grateful to have the right. job. And right. I think that when we would have even like our, you know, shared experience, and I'm sure progressing each of us separately on other jobs. But um, I remember Jake Kasdan when he directed one of the episodes of Gross Point, and he was the first director. Andy also, there was a lot of freedom in the pilot because Andy Fleming is just actors. so... He loved loved actors and he had so much fun. So he, we felt freedom in what we were doing because he was like, yeah, I don't know. Try it. You're so weird. Do that weird thing. Okay. And he laughs and enjoys us. And the safer you feel, the more comfortable you feel to try things. But I remember Jake Kasdan, when he directed his episode, it was the first time that he was like, can we do one take where you just like go like riff and just improv the scene with him. It was like that. Remember that episode with the like the punk rock guy that my character fell in yes. love with that yes. I made out with him in the bar. Um, <laughs> but I had like anyone listening to this, if you've never seen Gross Point, it is available. And I actually made my boyfriend watch the first episode and he loved it. And we still, Lindsay and I still get stopped by casting directors when we go into rooms and they go, you know, I love that show. People still bring it up to this day. Ahead of time. It was 1999. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, it was a, if you don't know it, it was a spoof on 90210. It was written by Darren Starr and it was kind of like a soap opera and we played characters in a show. So we played ourselves and then other people and it was very inside and it was way before they were doing that and it was just too so, soon. So smart and so, so smart. Yeah. Funny. So go but, check it out if you're listening to this because it is a really damn good show. And we're proud of it. And we're proud of it. And you'll see us as baby fetuses. Oh, man. (laughs) My skin was so shiny and dewy. It was so good. But, you know, you've been acting like you had been acting for when was your first job? I've been acting for 900 years. 900 years. But what was your first job? I started acting when I was eight years old. Oh, and, and I, well, you're, you were in a commercial. My very first job was a, a commercial for the Church of the Latter-day Saints. <laughs> <laughs> a nice Jewish girl. And we a nice Jewish girl from the Valley. Jewish girl, by the way, that's how talented I am, is that I convinced them that I could be a Mormon. <laughs> and we flew to Salt Lake City to film it. And Brian Austin Green was my big brother in it. And... <gasps> The guy, I don't know if you remember these commercials, but remember the commercials, the IHOP commercial, the guy Cliff, and you'd always say like Cliff here at IHOP. Anyway, it was a big ad campaign when I was a kid and he played my dad. And that was like, oh my God, Cliff from IHOP is my dad. 
So we filmed this commercial in Salt Lake City (laughs) and it was really exciting. And that was the start of my career. (laughs) Do you think that doing this commercial for Church of Latter-day Saints affected your creativity as an actor later on? Did that, did that enhance your? (laughs) It did. I think that it opened up. It just, I'm, I think it allowed me to be multifaceted. I didn't realize Uh my range or ability until I did that commercial. Um, But yeah, you were started, eight years old. I started eight, but then, and I did a lot of commercials. And then my first, re- I did like an episode of General Hospital. I think I was just a background artist. I, I remember it was like a winter scene and my mom and I went to the mall to buy a winter. Cause I lived in LA, I grew up in LA. I didn't have a winter coat and we bought a winter coat and kept the tags on because I had to bring my own wardrobe. And then I went and returned the coat after uh- by the way, I've done that. People, just people listening, I've done that for like big awards. I'm yeah, you've done that for red carpet stuff. I do that for red Barney. carpet. R.I.P. Barney's is closed, so you can't get in trouble for it. But you, Barney, would, no questions you, asked. They would take no things back. Asked, take those back. I remember, like there was a yellow gown that was so <laughs> stunning. <laughs> so embar- it's so embarrassing, but I don't care. I'm going to tell the story. And I told Dave the story. I had got invited to you know, one of our black tie galas and I didn't have a publicist and I wasn't on a show. And anybody who doesn't know the business, when you're not on a show, you're basically like a, like you have the plague, like no one wants to work with you. No one wants to dress you. And, (laughs) and I went and I got a dress and it was a Dolce & Gabbana dress. And I think it was like $3,000 and I wore it and I left the tag in and I was a nervous wreck. And then I returned it, but then I was in Us Weekly <laughs> with the dress. For who wore it best? And I won. And someone I knew knew someone that worked there. And they called him and went, We didn't loan Bonnie that dress. <laughs> and I was completely busted, but there's no shame in my game because you gotta do what you gotta do in this business. And that's all I could do. And I was yeah, because when we were left to our own devices, we ended up on the what was she thinking list in that? I remember going to some, we really were like living the life during those gross point years where we did get invited to places. And, and it was it the was first so time we were, we were the was, leads of a big show. Yeah, it was so fun and so exciting. But I remember trying to decide like what, what you want your style to be when you're like first getting photographed or stuff is it shouldn't matter, but it really did because you would get invited to more places if you were someone who had a good look on a red carpet. And we, you know, we were making great money for kids and it was really nice, but we didn't want to blow that money on really expensive clothes. And I also remember Sienna Miller had like just come on the scene and her like cool boho, like she just had beautiful style. That Kate Moss. Edinburgh exactly. festival, like festival clothes look. And yeah. And like, and I York. remember trying to emulate her and it was such a hard fail where I wore like a dress over a turtleneck over pants. It was just a bad look. There was some article that they wrote about me in. Oh, what were these two girls called? They were actually really funny, but it was, was it the fugly, the fugly. Oh, yeah. Go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself. Yeah. They, they were always like, I was in that article. I was written about a few times on that <laughs> website and they were always very kind about my ability. So it was a real high, low moment when it would happen. So they would say like Lindsay Sloan, like, um, and they loved gross point and they were so nice about the show, but they said, this outfit is so bad 
that if Lindsay were a horse, we would want to take her outside and shoot her just to put her out of her misery. (laughs) (laughs) So today's show is presented by Beachley. I'm super excited to be working with these guys. Beachley is a box of beach-inspired apparel and accessories, and it's delivered four times a year with at least $180 worth of stuff inside, but it only costs $99 a box. With Beachley, you get six to eight pieces of premium apparel and jewelry and hats and all sorts of stuff for the beach, but guess what? Proceeds from every box sold helps fund beach cleanups by Heal the Bay, which is one of my favorite charities, and it's so important right now. You choose either quarterly or annual payments for your subscription, and you can cancel at any time. So go to Beachley's website, use our promo Bonnie to get $20 off your subscription. Again, use that code Bonnie, that's me, at checkout at beach.ly today. It's so awesome. I'm going to go get myself one. Okay, now let's get back to the show. I just remember us getting paid. We got on gross point. We hit it off. We were were like, I was in love with you day one. I just literally wanted to be your best friend. And we became so close. And do you remember that we would go shopping and we would spend like hundreds of dollars on crap because we just, we, we were making money. We hadn't made money. And I look back now at that time and I'm like, I would buy like seven turtlenecks in the same exact thing like but different colors just because I never had an opportunity because I was I waited tables and attempts before I got that show so like I was I was literally a newbie I mean you'd been acting I mean you yeah that you I, were, was on, I was on Sabrina for a couple years before that and I was Sabrina what with, excuse me excuse me tell, tell, the teenage witch. tell the audience Sabrina the teenage witch. I was on Sabrina the teenage witch for two years before yeah. we did gross point um and yeah, it's it's not great to have access to money when you're young and no, dumb. I was 25. You, you I think back to if I spent the money that I like spent on the Delia's catalog yes. and just invested it, I could have bought a house at this point, like what that money would have turned into. But it's, you know, it's like, look, it's also part of just growing up and realizing that these jobs are, it felt at the time I was going to, we were just going to keep working. Right. It felt like it was never going to like we were in the zone. Now we were on shows that people liked and it was and then you did keep working like you just kept going. And I would like constantly hit walls like I never had the luck that you had with shows getting picked up or shows lasting as long as they did. I tell people all the time. I mean, I said it on the the intro to this podcast, like part of what I was known for was like, oh, Bonnie always gets a show and I would always get a pilot after a pilot. After I mean, literally, there was a yeah. period of my life where I, I I couldn't not get a job, and I remember you not working for a long stretch of time. Yeah. And me, I, I you know I got right after that I did um you know the friends thing, and then it was the in laws, and then it was uh and NYPD Blue. Every, like you know, as, on, as your friend watching it all happen. But then it just literally stops. Yeah. It just yeah. stops. It like it just completely stopped, and it, it's like that feeling, like the whole second act theme is like. Well, we, I mean, you've had so many, you've been acting since you're eight years old, but it's one continual second act after another, after another, after another. And like, how, how have we managed, you and I have talked, we've had serious emotion because we're such good friends. We've had a really emotional talks about this, but like the devastation that we have had, like the real true heartbreak, yeah. 
I don't even like, how do you think you've been able to, to do it? Honestly, because I know you've had dark times, depression like me. I don't know. I think because I je- I've been doing it since I was eight and I never had a fallback. Like there never, I, you know, I started to go to college to get my degree and then I was on a show and then I, so then I never went back. I never found another passion. And so I think, and it's what I said, the highs are so high. And when you're on set and you feel like you're part of a team and you're getting to do this thing that you love. I mean, for me, I never wanted to be famous. I just wanted to act. Mm -hmm. And so getting to act on set and knowing what that feels like, I just, there's no other feeling in the world that ever met matched that excitement. It is is the highest high in the world when you're on a show and you're a family and you're together and you're just creating and you get waited on. And I mean, I even like, I love listening to Howard Stern, you know, we're both huge fans when he, he still talks about doing the movie and and every time he has an actor on every single time he brings up, I mean, the people would like bring me coffee and, and craft sir, and like, can I get you something? Can I wait on you? And you need a tissue. Yeah, I mean, we're completely infantilized, which is. But it is the best feeling in the world. Like I just yeah. did it finally again after, you know, I didn't work for three years and I just did a couple of episodes of Blue Bloods and even just someone, I felt like I was 25 again on Gross Point. So grateful. Like my attitude is so different than it was five years ago when I was kind of jaded and spoiled and a little bit like expecting because that feeling of being loved and adored and wait, it's, there's, there's nothing like it. Right. Yeah, Being valued and feeling part of a team. And there really isn't, I mean, whenever I get a job, I have, you know, I always talk to my friends and to Dar about what I miss the most is like having coffee with someone in the morning, like that water cooler the trailer. Talk. Yeah. The trailer like I morning. just miss feeling, you know, there's part of me at times in my life where I'm like, I just wish I worked in an office because I want to go somewhere and see people and have a common interest and a common goal with people. That's, that's what I love. And that's what I want. And so I have friends that every time I get a job, they like send me a thermos. Cause they're like, here's it's for your coffee. Like Aww. it's so exciting. It's happening again. And it's really what I miss. And then you have kids and the idea of someone bringing me a coffee right now, like honestly makes me want to cry because it would be so nice. Dave brings me a coffee every morning. Oh, you have a lovely, lovely man. Do you know who doesn't bring you coffee? Three-year-olds. They're not allowed. <laughs> but when you had like those, I just remember all the time, like we've had those talks about not getting shows. And I've explained on this show a little bit, Elon and I talked about the whole testing you know, back in the day, back in the day when we started, you used to have to test five, six, seven, eight, like to the point where you'd be having a nervous breakdown and they'd tell you next time show up and wear this next time do this. I think those days have changed now. People are getting offers off of Instagram, but that's a whole other show. But all those devastating times, like people have asked me, how do you, I mean, my own mom, like she, you know, worked on wall street 35 years. She's like, I could not do what you do. It's like getting an interview for a job every day of your life, which is 90% of what we do is getting rejected. Yeah. It's the, the hustle. The hustle is the hardest part. I, I mean, I, it's crazy to look back on my life and just think how, how I haven't had stability. Like if you added the days that I've actually worked where I've known where I'm going the next day and I knew what my job was and I didn't have that feeling of, 
am I going to be okay? Will I ever work again? It's so small. It's like maybe two years total out of the, you know, 40 something years that I lived. And when you think, God, to only have security for that amount of time, I think, you know, I think artists are crazy, passionate people. The only, the only thing I can think of is that I just love, I love acting so much. And I feel like I haven't done my best work yet. And I think that's what's pushing me through. That's exactly what I say. I just want to show, like, I, I do believe there will be that job for me at some point that I will show what I'm capable of. And when it ends, I will think, you know what? I've done it. I've released it in some way and I got it out of me. And I imagine the beauty of like some sense of closure, not that I want to stop acting, but that I'll feel if God forbid it doesn't happen again, I will be okay because I've done the thing. So I feel like all I'm doing is constantly chasing, wanting to do the thing. That's do you all. think you've always had that positive attitude about it? Um, no, I think that it's been a constant roller coaster. I feel like I've had 90 acts when I think of, yeah. um, you know, there were phases of like a very poor me. Why is this happening to me? Why? Because I was also always the person that the creatives wanted that the writers wanted the directors producers everyone wanted and then I would get to the studio and the network and I just wasn't the exec's cup of tea like I don't know if they looked at me and were just like we can't she's not marketable or she's not hot I mean I heard she's not hot enough 9,000 times in my life it's insane it's insane of course it's gonna knock you down and make you feel I mean look there was the wind like we were best friends we were inseparable we finished on the same show. We both got accolades from that show. You went off and worked. It was, there was such ease there. And I hit a lot of walls and, mm-hmm. and it's you tested hard. for so many pilots. I remember so many, I mean, and I was told I was getting every one of them. Oh like I, it, it, it's, I think it's why I think I'm so damaged and it's why I'm so grateful when someone calls to tell me I'm fired is because I'm so used of being, like I had so many times where someone told me I was getting the job and then I didn't get it. And then it's radio silence and no one reaches out and explains why no one apologizes even to call and say like, it was just some asshole exec that you're, you know, yeah. you're chocolate and he likes vanilla and he's not yeah. into you. And, and it always was a guy and never like very rarely was it a woman who got, see, my that's wife. the opposite for me. It's mostly been a woman. Do you remember that show I tested for? Um, it was on the USA network. I forget. It was, a. Uh, I think we we went out and celebrated. Actually, we they oh, they. Jesus. they you know, it was like I tested five or six times, and I. Oh, I you got? Yeah, they told me you have the job, and I forget the name of the show now. It's probably better that I don't remember it. Uh, but uh, we went out. We celebrated. Your husband was there. Um, and then my manager at the time called me and was like, "I don't, I don't know how to say this, but the head of the network, who was a woman, said." I don't buy it. She's not a leading lady. She can't carry a show. And this was after like a six or seven. It was one of the most brutal test weeks. It was one of those weeks that it just wouldn't end. And I was at the edge of a nervous breakdown. And I'll never forget it. It was like, and and then you just, it's it's like, you can't, I can't explain. No one can understand that feeling unless they've they've had it. You just- so personal. What we do is so personal. There's no way that you can say it's not you. 
it, it is you. It's all it's you. you. They're you're literally saying, they're saying it's not you, but no, it is you. I don't like her nose. I don't no, like I don't. your fate. I she, remember crying at one point to Jake Kasdan, who directed us on Gross Point. But then I did the TV set with him. Like he right. went on Which to be a the great movie, by the way, if, if no great movie about great pilot movie. season um, and how awful it is. Um, but I went like the Kasdan family kind of took me in and like Jonathan, his younger brother is the movie that I did that I was fired from, but I also was in his dad, Larry's movie that he filmed and it was so much fun. But I remember there was a show that Jake wanted me for, and I was like the create, I was the writer's choice. I, it was just like, it was happening. It was just, I had to do a chemistry read with the actor they wanted and it was all it, it was like I going through the motions, but this job was mine. And I suddenly didn't get the job. And I remember Jake calling because he's a lovely person and he's a friend and he's like, I'm so sorry. I don't even know what to say. I feel so bad because I feel like I've had to make this call to you so many times. And I was crying and I was like, is it my face? Is it just my face? <laughs> Do I need to just change my face? Because... <laughs> I knew it wasn't my talent. Like it's yeah. never, it's so rare. I mean, look, I've definitely blown it in the room. I yeah. watched shows that I did and I'm like, Oh, I was phoning it in that day or I didn't. That, I don't know what I was thinking. That's awful. But it really is so rarely talent or ability. Like it is our face. It is. <laughs> and it's what you said. I've heard that analogy. You know, someone likes chocolate, you're vanilla yeah. or yep. So, and, 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 and you're like, I'll dye my hair. I'll cut my hair. I'll, I'll do it. Remember when they edit. pulled you in between studio and network to go change your jeans? Yes. And I don't want to say who that, overweight. I don't want to say who that director is because he's a very big TV working yeah. director. And he was on a very big show that I loved as a kid. So I don't want to say that. And, and he's married to an actress, by the way, which is so crazy that there isn't, there wasn't a sensitivity. There's, I'm telling you, there's just a sensitivity chip missing in this industry. I don't know if that would happen now no, no, no. Like you wouldn't be allowed you would not be allowed now to say to an actress you need to go and but this and wasn't paint. that long ago i mean this was what I, went, I had 45 minutes in between the studio test to get to the network and i went to the gap bought a new pair it's of already pants. so stressful you're auditioning for rooms of like 35 people and then stressful being stressed at the gap I mean, <laughs> I remember you calling me crying and you're like, ah, uh, I just got out of studio and um, they called me and they told me that uh, I, yeah. I look overweight and, yeah. and and you went in as the choice on that job. I was and, the choice. Yeah. And you're like, and now I feel like I'm not going to get it. And like, I have to go get clothes that make me look thin. And uh, by the way, by the way, can we just say this was when I was really thin uh, yeah, when I to Hollywood, it's so 20, disgusting. No, I think I was 29. Like it was like, and, and he, uh, he remember metabolism. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, metabolism. Oh, metabolism. How I miss you. <laughs> and now it's like, and, and I admit on the show, like when I hit rock bottom at one point and I got let go from code black and my last relationship fell apart and I just went through it. My stepdad died and I gained like 25 pounds. Like I own, I own it, but this was really, truly a time where we're talking like friends, Bonnie. Yeah. Like, like now I look back and I want to like punch that person in the nose. Like I, know. So I was more stressed about getting the, the pants. And then I went to the last final round. I was a complete mess. I had to sing totally blew it. Um, and I was shaking and I, I, I literally yeah. walked out and I didn't get it. The other girl got it. And, uh, I, it, it completely sabotaged me. But yeah. I don't think I don't think people realize that that 
you know, when they talk about all the business, what women go through, you know, sometimes I'm a little bit like, wah, wah, because some of it is part of the job, but that stuff should never be part of any job. Like that yeah, should be never. We were also young at a time where people were pretty reckless with comments and. Oh, there was no me too. Me too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the amount of stuff that was, I mean, I mean, the amount of times you work with a director that was like, yeah, honey, baby. All right. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there yeah. were so many of them. Which yeah, is not, a, not enough that I look back and feel like I wasn't the ugliest person in the business. Oh, but, <laughs> no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. but like, it's just so different now. And I feel like it's great. I mean, there's been so many changes, but I don't know. We really came up in a time where it was like, it was brutal. I mean, you had to duke it out in a room with somebody. You had to like, th- there was no like who knew somebody. I don't know. Don't you think that? You really had to fight it out to get a job back then. Twenty. Yeah, years but ago. I also feel as hard as it was, it was smaller. Like the community in itself was smaller. So maybe it was twenty girls. It would come down to you know twenty of us that were just constantly in this rotation, and we would kind of alternate who would get job. Yeah, you always saw this. Now it just feels like the world. It's infinite. I don't know. It feels. It just feels really. Um, it feels really hard. But, and what I, but the material is so much better. And so that's what's, that's what's, you know, so frustrating is like the, the writing, everything is just so good now. Um, yeah. And also and, there were no net. I mean, when we started, how many networks were there? In, I know, in it was like 2000. We're so yeah. old, Bonnie. I just, it's crazy. I remember passing on, um, I didn't go to go read for Mad Men because I had just like come off like another, like, oh yeah, yeah. And it was like AMC. And I remember saying, I'm not, I'm not doing a show on like a, a, sh- a network that shows movies. No, thanks. Like it. And it yeah. was Mad Men. And it yeah. was the show that made AMC. And then and then now I always say you can't pass on anything. I mean, it could be a show for your phone, but that yeah. could be the next Oscar winning show. Like there's no limits now. But I also think when I think of acts that they're, you know, at different points in your life, you choose jobs for different reasons. And right. When you're coming off a show, you're like, okay, now I know artistically, I want to go in this direction. Like I want to satisfy this thing. And maybe I'm in a position where I can, you know, be a little bit more picky than normal. And then there are times where you're feeling like I need a shift in my life. I want to take a job that's somewhere out of town. So whatever job that may be, I like, I don't even care what the job is. I just want to leave. Then I had kids and it, it limit, it limited me so much, but now if there's, you know, like I did a sitcom for three years, there was a, there was a time where I was like, I don't know if I want, I did so many sitcoms that I was like, I don't know if I want to do a sitcom again. And then that came to be, and I was like, oh, I can have breakfast with my kids and dinner with my kids and still have a job and go have coffee with other people and laugh and have fun. I'm, I'm in. So that's that's the dream job for a mom. It is the dream job, but it's constantly evolving Mm -hmm. of like what, what we're searching for, what feels like it will satisfy us and satiate us in some way. And do you think, do you think when you had kids, was that like a, well, I know for you that, I mean, obviously that's another act, but like, was that like a conscious, like change in your perspective of acting? Like a yes, new act? The biggest totally. change I've ever had because I had, well, I have two daughters, but when I first had Max, I remember testing, there was like an awful situation where I had, Max was maybe a month and a half and producers that I had worked for were like, we want, we want Lindsay to come and test for our show. We'll give her just a straight test. Like, go, let's just go test for it. And I remember 
I was like breastfeeding and the like pumping in the bathroom before I went into studio because my breasts were filling up and like my clothes weren't fitting and you like sweat a lot. And it was just like, oh my God, physically, I just have no control over my body in the way that I used to. And it was so scary on top of trying to remember lines on major sleep deprivation. And I remember walking in the room and I was fine. I wasn't great. I was fine. I ended up getting cut at studio, which Eagle wise, it's totally like devastating. But I remember when they called to tell me and, you know, they said, you know, this is who got it. I, there was a weird shift in my brain where I was like, she's someone's daughter. Like how exciting for that person. And up until that point, I feel like I had been very competitive with people and it always kind of felt like why them and not me. And I had an instant shift of, of course it should be them. It should be them as much as it should be me. They're someone's daughter. They've lived a whole life. They have people around them that are going to celebrate them. And it just kind of, I don't know, it, it made me relax. It, it was having a child has been very humbling in a way where you had empathy, you had empathy yeah. in a way that you didn't have before. Cause it was all about you. Yeah. I mean, I've always that's been why I'm such a selfish, horrible person. <laughs> I just had a child. I'd be like, of course she should get it. She's somebody's daughter. Now I'm like, fuck her. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I've always had empathy in other ways, but yeah. I wanted the job. Like I have been an aggressive hustler. Yeah. And you, I also, you have. you've been, you've been hustling since you're eight years old, man. You have done. I also just think I don't have the, the energy to my energy is going to my family and to my mm-hmm. children. And so when I read something, I have to love it to even take the time right now to put myself on tape for something because it's taking away from my kids. See, I, I really genuinely, that sounds so, I, I love that you're saying that because you had something else come into your life. Cause like as actresses, I mean, we talked about this when we were young, like it is, you're very self-absorbed because it you are your own company, right? You represent yourself. You're the president of your company. It's all about you. So you do become self-involved. It does happen. And I, that's, that's, I've heard that from other people too, when they had kids, it all of a sudden, it's not just about you. So, so you have to really want something. And if you don't get it, it's not going to destroy you as much, right? Because you have these little beings that kind of make up for it. And I think that's true of any mom in any business. My mom said that about working on wall street, like things would happen that were terrible, but then she'd come home to me and she'd be like, and then it wouldn't be so terrible. Well, it's very empowering. It's very, um, uh, I, I, I did a movie once before I had kids and in the movie, there was a line where like one of the Will Forte's character like has had kids and he's like yelling at uh, like a group of friends that hadn't have kids. And he's like, you guys think you're so cool. You guys think, you know, everything, everything you, when you have kids, it's fucking varsity. Like you guys are just JV bullshit. And I didn't understand it. And then I had kids and I'm like, yeah, this is varsity. Like I know my strengths, the stuff that I deal with on a daily basis. When I walk in the room, I'm like, you're not going to break me. You're not going to, tell me I'm overweight. You're not going to tell me I'm not good. I know that I'm good. I also know that I'm good. And I've been able to juggle 900 things before I walked in this room and delivered a great scene for you guys. So you guys can just suck it. Like, I hope you want me and I really want this job. And I know how great I would be if you hired me, but I also know that I have self-worth without you telling me that I'm okay. 
That's amazing. That is an amazing place to be because I know I mean, look, it's in this moment. We'll see what right. happens. I mean, I, I, but yeah. like, say that now. My manager called yesterday and was like, I didn't get, I was, I was up for a couple of jobs. I didn't get any of them. And, and they were giving me the speech of like, but you, you know, like this doesn't mean you're not talented. And I was like, honey, <laughs> I mean, I know I'm talented. I was like, in fact, I don't think I was talented. I think I'm very talented now. I think yeah. that I was very lucky when I'm young and now I do, I know that I'm great. And I can't wait for people to see it. So while I appreciate the love, like I'm not the client that you have to give that speech to because I'm, I'm not going there anymore in my head. Isn't that empowering though? I feel the same way. Like when I was young, I mean, so needy and insecure and desperately needing that. And age, I remember my mom saying it when you're, you know, it's all going to change when you turn 40, you're not going to give a shit, blah, blah, blah. When you turn 30. And I remember being like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it is so true that like, for women, I just wish yeah. that we had that feeling when we were, I just look back in my twenties and some of the time I wasted, which of course you can't say that because it's part oh, yeah. of if my we evolution. Then, what we know now, if we could go back. I mean, just, the amount of money I would have in the I bank know, really. I was working. But the, <laughs> angst, the angst and the pain, I wouldn't trade in any of it. Like I look back at all of that, all of those times in our life with such fondness because it made us who we are. And yeah. especially now I have daughters that I, I get to like help them through those m- moments. And, you know, it's interesting as a parent, you always want to protect your children and you don't want them to feel pain and you don't, but I kind of sit back because I'm like, pain is important. Like you yeah. have to write it out. You have to know how to self-soothe. You have to know how to get through moments that are really, yeah. really hard because I mean, it, you started uh, when you're eight years old and you're starting yeah. to learn and you're getting rejected. Like, you know, that's really brutal, but it, it did give you, you know, strength, independence, you know, yeah. you broke away from your parents, you know, your mom was your manager. I was moved out when I was 17 because I just wanted to, I wanted to feel independent. I want to talk about a second act. You had like your first act. You're like, you're like firing your own mother as a manager and moving out at 17. Yeah. But that was more like wanting my own identity outside of my mom. Like my mom, it was, you know, my mom was very like, because I look back because of her, I'm very grateful. I, I wouldn't do this, but there's also part of me. That's like, who would I be? Who would I have been if I didn't start acting at eight? It's so did interesting. Did you push you to do that? Or did you say, I want to do this? Well, I had a neighbor that did it. And I thought it was really cool that she was on TV and I, I wanted to do it. And my mom did the legwork and like found a ma- an agent. And it was, you know, I think it was easier back then. Momager. Um, she was the original momager. The original momager. It's still her email. Address. Chris Jenner. <laughs> Chris Jenner. You, know, you stole that. You stole that from Lindsay's mom. Um, but, but firing my mom, it was more just like, I wanted my own identity. I wanted to feel separate and I wanted to feel independent. And I also wanted to go to a, an audition on my own and a, and a set on my own and like be my own person. Because I, you grow up very quickly when you grow up on sets, you have to follow rules. You have to listen to adults. You have to like stand on your mark. You have to. So I, at, by 17, I was like, I got, I got life. Let me just live it. All right. I got this guys. And it's crazy. Cause I think like, Oh my God, if my kids want to do that at 17, I would die. I would die. If you like, move out of our house. I mean, I can't believe my mom, you know, when I left for LA, I was 21 and she was completely against it. And 
I had dropped out of school to try to act in New York and she cut me off. And my mom was so tough. And she was like, if you do this, you're not getting any money from me because she didn't get to go to college. And that was her dream. And I got into this very fancy college, Boston college. And, and I look back now and I was like, oh no, no, like I'm doing this. Like, and I, there was no other option. And that's what I tell like some people, young girls that I've mentored or, you know, worked with. I'm like, you have to have that, that laser sharp, like this is what I'm doing. And then we manifested it. And part of what I talk about, like the whole second act thing is when that kind of slips away, I felt that slipping away. When you lose that like laser focus, like, oh, no, 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 this is what I'm doing. There is no backup plan. You manifest it. But if that, if you slip, you, you start to like not work, you know what I mean? You have to keep that like laser absolute when you're young, you're like, I will do anything to make this happen. You kind of have to keep that going forever. Well, it's the real beauty of what's how watching the business evolve and that I feel that artists now have their own voice and their own way in and everyone is self-generating and everyone is self-creating. And we grew up at a time where if actors got a studio deal or a development deal. It was a vanity deal. Like they actually didn't want actors having opinions about anything. And so I have found it to be kind of challenging to shift from being a person who listens and obeys and follows the rules and fights for jobs. But when they tell me I'm not good enough, I have to just step back and wait for the next thing to come along. Now to someone who's like, oh no, you can't sit back and wait. You have to do your own thing. You have to find your own voice. You have to sell yourself in that way. And it's really challenging to readjust to the way the business has, you know, progressed. It's a beautiful thing for artists because if you have a phone, you can make something. You can be, you know, you can like get it out of you in a way that we, I mean, we literally had like 900 pound camcorders. Like we, yeah, we weren't told, we weren't told that that was, I mean, I remember years ago, whenever I would bring up other things, it was always poo-pooed by my team. It was always like, oh, no, no, you don't want to do that. You're this, you're that. You're going to be a leading lady. Oh, you're going to get, you know, I was was like, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. I'm going to win an Oscar and get an Emmy. You're right. Yeah, I'm going to be fine. And then it's like, no, and then that doesn't happen. And then it doesn't happen. And then life happens and then life happens. But now, yeah, it's like, I'm, that's why I did this, started this podcast because it just was like, I want to do something. And also the stories of having a second act, it's like there's second acts every day. Yeah, all over the place. So now you're writing something. I, yeah, I am. But proud also, of you. It's so it's so interesting because when I say it out loud, there's still the person inside of me that's like, oh, that feels a little embarrassing. You're not a writer. You're not a writer. Yeah, that second that voice. I do actually think I'm a writer, but I am a I am a I like it as a team sport. So I'm yeah, I'm trying to develop something, and I just it's that thing of. If I'm, if I want that job that I look back on and I think there was the thing that I got it out of my system, why not try to create that job for myself? I see people all around me doing it. I think that, um, it's really interesting because I started this a year ago and then all of a sudden there's a pandemic and the world has shifted. And I think that, you know, the market is totally different than what it was and, it may not be something that I move forward with for a really long time until things kind of write themselves again. But it's giving me at least, especially during quarantine, like once or twice a week, I get to tap into this other part of me and feeling like I have purpose outside of, 
being a mom or being a wife or being a friend or being a daughter. And I get to feel creative and I feel empowered. And it just like, it makes me, it gives me like a sense of worth really in the way that I would imagine this podcast does for you. Like just, it's like, if you have a reason to wake up and like send someone a zoom link, suddenly you feel like, look at me, I'm working. <laughs> I'm a working girl. <laughs> I swear. I mean, I always say this, you know, Dave, I give credit. My boyfriend, he is, when I met him, it was literally fourth date pandemic quarantine. And he's a creative person. And he was like, why haven't you done this? And like you all the all- me about this a year ago, you know, we were like, what should we do? Yeah. What are you going to do? It's like, what do we, and he was like, why aren't you doing it? Like, cause he's like a doer. He's a, he's someone yeah. who is, and, and I need that. Cause like, I'm not, I'm great with the ideas and the talking. There's a lot of talking. It's because <laughs> we have been silenced for, you know, the first half of your life. If you're kind of told that your opinions don't really matter and it's better if you just stand aside and do yeah. what we tell you, that part of your brain just shifts and, you know, dies in a sense. And it's hard to like regain your footing and regain your voice. Also, I when you're older, it's hard, yeah. like it's scary. It's like scary. I said, when you're in your 20s, I mean, I moved to LA with $500 and I'd never even been to California. And my first stop was Venice Beach. And I was like, oh, I'm going to get, I'm going to, I'm, you know, and cut to, it was six years later that I got gross point. Now that said, that's pretty lucky, but that was a really hard six but years. You had a record deal. Like you have, you're also, I got, dropped twice. I got dropped twice. So it was like, devastation, devastation, devastation. I know, but it always to me was like part of your gritty tale, like your <laughs> story. And it was like, edge. yeah. But I feel like I got older and then like, I got scared and I started to get really scared. And then all my friends got married and people had babies and, and, and the dreams that I thought, you know, that were a sure thing, whether it's a hit show or whether it's a husband, none of that happened. And I just kind of got really down, 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 down. And like, this second act thing, I was like, this is like, everyone has one. Everyone has one. Yeah. You got to pick yourself up or you die. Like, yeah. What's or that? Many. Everyone has many, 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 many. Yeah. So what do you think your next act is? So now you've been your wife, you're a mother. Yeah. I feel like shifting into motherhood has been a big, a really big change. Um, That's two acts. Cause you've got two. <laughs> yeah. And I, but then I think it's finding my, creative um power and my creative voice in this new realm like in being a mom in living this mm-hmm. life is and doing of, both yeah the balance is very very challenging um, I remember I remember I, us talking about having kids back when because you you didn't have kids for a while you were married forever and you guys were just the best couple yeah. and having fun I remember talking about that fear of you know but if I have a baby like actresses have this all the time. Will I, am I going to work? Like, who am I going to be? Like, yeah, like, who, like, who am I going to be? And also suddenly I'm, you can't make so, like decisions just for yourself. Like right, you, you have can't to get a job and leave the next day. And so for so long, I would say I'm not, I'm not working out of town. I'm not doing anything out of town. And now, you know, we've hit a place where it's like, well, let's be open to it. If it's a great thing, maybe it's a wonderful, fun life experience for the whole family. Yeah. Or maybe it's something I pop, you know, I'm able to like, yeah. And maybe go away and take them to a city and or or a country for a few weeks or a few months, and they have a teacher and they see the world. Like, yeah, I think it's about putting um, putting my desires back in in front again. You know, you you, my family and children will always be first, but I think that 
I really put things on the back burner and it was kind of like, no, 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 no. This doesn't feel right for my family. And now it's about finding the, the, you know, middle ground to whatever that may be. And can we just say you have been with the same person for 20 20 years. years. And that is such an amazing accomplishment to me because, well, A, just the audience, I was there when they met. I was there for the whole beginning. I was there for all the texts. Bonnie was on our first date. I was was on your first date. And not only text messages, it was that thing. Blackberry. It was Blackberry. It was pre-Blackberry. You had the thing that was... um, not a pager. It was a, yeah, it was the original Blackberry the original. where it like, yeah, the original one. And I, was, I did, by the way, have a pager first. I yes. had a blue pager. <laughs> but I remember I bring that up because it was the 20th anniversary of Legally Blonde and mm. you and I were at the premiere together and you were like super hardcore crushing. And I'm like, you guys have been together 20 years and you're yeah. still in love and you've managed to talk about acts like that. You guys have always inspired me that you have been through so many acts in that relationship and you guys so many acts. love each other so much. That is like a huge accomplishment. Yeah. I feel very, very lucky. And I think part of it too, is when I, you know, would have those moments of feeling so devastated that I didn't get the job or didn't get the show or the show didn't get picked up and all those like humbling, horrible, embarrassing, sad, heartbreaking, all the feelings you feel with them. I've always in the back of my brain when I'm like, okay, but what am I grateful for? How do I readjust? How do I get to the other side of this feeling? It's always been, I have the stability of a partnership. I have, I have a home. I have someone that supports me. I then, then it was, oh, and I have children and I have, you know, I had healthy children and, and I have a unit. And I think that I spent from eight until I had children where acting controlled me and this business controlled my self-worth and, and to the minute of the day, how I would feel about myself. And now I have a million other things. It's just a shift. It's growth and age and a shift in perspective. And granted, we're also living in a time of, I think such life analysis and being Mm -hmm. grateful for, what we have and the love that we're no way. by it's like, it doesn't matter all mm-hmm. the shows that I thought that would have been the one that made that made me, that would have changed my life. Those shows, I didn't get it. And then they were canceled after like four episodes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Amy Adams was devastated when she got fired from first point. Then she went on to live a wonderful, beautiful life. It's like, yeah. you just never know. And yeah. so the lows have been so low. I mean, I have been, fired I have been it's been embarrassing it's been public like the fact that then there's an like you're fired which is hard enough but then there has to be an an announcement that you're fired and everyone has to read about it and also getting let go from a show that got picked up oh yeah that I was on and and I, you know, I, like I, people always think I work and it's true. Yes. I, I was very lucky, but I've never had a show go more than a season. And, and the only show I ever had that went more than 13 episodes was NYPD blue. And it was because I only, I was there for season 12, the final yeah. season. That was the only show in my entire career that I got a full season and people don't realize that they're like, Oh, you always work true. I've never had a show go more than one season. Like, yeah, I haven't either. One show to go more than one season, just just have that steady job, you know. That's so funny. I just realized that I have. I mean, Sabrina went a full season, but I was not. Um, 
you know how they do like fractional series regulars. I was like 10 out of 13. So I wasn't even in every episode. Yeah. So it was, yeah. but I've never, other than that, I've never been on a show. That's, I mean, it's crazy, crazy. because I do think I look back on my career and I'm super grateful. And I think, you know, for people that have ever heard of us or, you know, if they've seen us on something, they're like, Oh, those people, they work out. Of course they've been on shows that it lasted and like, no, I haven't, I haven't yeah. at all. And then, and then, you know, it's funny. Have you ever Googled your net worth? Cause that's hysterical. No, Cause no. my mom, my mom, are like we rich as shit. We are so rich. <laughs> my mom always Googles my net worth. You know, whenever she's mad at me that I blew through all yeah. my money and I was an idiot and blah, blah. She, you know, she'll just get in a mood and she'll be like, do you know, do you, did you see this? And it's like 3 million or 4 million. And it's just so funny that I think people, you know, when you're also in reruns, like you and I are and like your recurring roles and they come, people just assume that you're always working because they see friends all the time. So they're kind of like, I'm in their, I'm in their orb. Yeah. I don't realize like, well, that was 15 years ago. And yes, residuals are great, but residuals get down to pennies. You know, you get checks for a dollar, but I think it's like this concept of work for people that aren't in this world. It's very, it's very strange. Do you know what I mean? Well, it also seems shiny. Wait, Dave, just, I just gotta, I just gotta, my producer just posted on my little, uh, he saw one that said my net worth was $106 million. Is that why you went out, with, went out with you? <laughs> <laughs> Where is that? Serious, $106 million. I think that they must, I don't know. I don't know. I, mean, I think I'm worth, I think I'm worth $16. Is that okay? I mean, look, we're very lucky that when we do work. It is extraordinary. It is very nice. But what people don't realize is like at this point, I've worked eight days in the last four or five years, four years. I worked eight days on an independent film where there was no money. So we've always lived in, like we're talking about, and it may seem tasteless to talk about how we wasted money at Urban Outfitters in our youth, but we've lived hard and fast with our money. It like comes and there's like a nice little windfall. And then there's years and years and years of nothing. And when and you're young, awesome. you don't know you. Well, yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know yeah. how to save because I ne- I grew up with no money. And I just thought no one's ever going to tell me I can't have anything again because I I just, you know, it was I just I wanted to to be able to to do stuff I couldn't do when I was a kid. And it just was like, give me it all. Give me it all. And now I'm like, why did I care about bags and shoes? Like what? Are I know you? it's so ridiculous. Oh, it's so, so ridiculous. ridiculous. None of it matters. None of that it has been the real beauty to, well, one of just aging in general, but what quarantine has done of just like, I don't want anything. I, I just want to know that the people I love are okay. <laughs> like I just put, I don't, I can't even imagine putting on a nice shoe and like going anywhere. I just want to like wear comfortable sweatpants and just like live in my bubble with the people that love me and feel safe. And like, hopefully when I emerge, I get to make some great art, but then I want to come right back to my safe place. And that's it. Such a great attitude though. I love you. I love you too. <laughs> I you. I'd like to give you a hug. I just can't believe like you were my very first. I mean, we were like, yeah, I love, I, we have, we're like family. I have so much yeah. love for you. I mean, you were, I mean, I was 25 years. I knew nothing. I just, and I thought you knew everything because you'd been on TV for so long. And I was like, (laughs) and we were just in separate. I mean, you've seen talk about acts. You've seen all of my, all the acts and some of my, some of my acts were not so good, (laughs) but it's so nice to see you in this 
place. Like, I think that this, I think where you're at now and the person that you're with and your drive to do this and your appreciation for work, none of those things happen without all the acts that you lived. And I've always looked at you as like Elizabeth Taylor. Like I look back at, like if I were to write, if I were to write my biography, like it's not that interesting. Like I'd have to definitely have someone come in and punch it up. But when I looked at your life, like there's a lot of color to the life that you lived. A lot of color. A lot. Of, I don't know if color is the right word. What? What do you think? Oh, my boyfriend. My Dave is saying, does that mean I'm going to get married eight times? No, honey, I'm 46. So this is it. <laughs> but you better get cracking. If I have eight more left, you better get going. All right. So I have to, I'm going to give you my five, five questions. Okay. okay. Oh, I haven't heard this part. What is this? Well, this is just like a little, it's just a little wrap up, like little, little okay. questions. I'm not like, I'm not like Andy Cohen. Like, oh God. It's not like, yeah. It's not like real house eyes, but so we've had so many stories that are crazy with all the roles we've done. Do you have one particular story that is just so absurd? You don't have to name names, but something that happened on a job or a show. I'm like, oh, I have no memory at all. But you have so many, like something that was just so like crazy, ridiculous, like, like, like the Jesse story when he told on the podcast. That was yeah, just no, that was great. That was, oh, God, do I have any of those stories? I mean, I did do, there was, I did do a movie that I was filming in another country and, a, and, a, and there was a comedian who I idolized so much who was playing my dad. Um, and we were, we were like shooting a scene and, there was just something that wasn't work. Like it was a comedy and there was just something that wasn't working. And they like, they were, re- they were setting the cameras again and we took a break and <laughs> we went back to set. And all of a sudden I was like, Oh my God, he's so high. Like I had to lean in and kiss him and hug him. And it was just like the strongest scent of pot I've ever <laughs> smelled in my whole life. And I wasn't like naive to the fact that people did that, but I never on a set, like I was such a professional and so type A that I couldn't even imagine. Yeah. And I just remember trying to shoot this scene and all, it's just all I could think about in my head was like, oh my God, this person is so high. I'm just looking around like everyone knows this, right? We're not going <laughs> to pretend that this isn't happening. And meanwhile, he's so genius. It was like the greatest take ever. Like, because he's such, he's so weird. That, that his cadence, everything shifted. And I was like, oh, this is why we love you because you're, yeah. high. you're probably high in every movie. And now, and now we know that like people are high pretty much all the time. All the time. I mean, but this was at a time where like that was not the case at all. All right. What was the role that you've done that you think was the closest to like who you are as a person? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, gross point. I was playing an insecure actress. Um, um who's painfully kind, which I do think like I, my MO is wanting to be nice and wanting people to feel comfortable. And I, so I do feel like I felt very connected to playing that character. But you have um, gotten way stronger over the years since yeah. I, knew. you were yeah. very much a pleaser, you know, wanting yeah. everyone to take care of everybody. And then you learn boundaries and then we, yeah. therapy, right? Therapy. Uh, everyone really, should I, people should try it. Um, I just did this movie with Shailene Woodley where I played her older sister and I play a mom who lives in the Valley who has a kid. <laughs> she loves someone to live with me. And I was like, yeah, no, I've got this. Don't worry. Like, 
Do you, do you just roll? Trust me. I'm going to give you gold on this because this is, I'm like very tapped into this person. So Where I do you like think our characters would have been today, Gross Point, Courtney? Where would we be? What would we um, be doing? Although no one's even going to know. I feel like Courtney would have been me tooed all over the place and probably at the <laughs> forefront of the like Harvey. Well, considering that every episode they had me in a bra, a push-up bra, yeah. literally my boobs were, I, I made jokes on that show. Like my boobs are basically like my butt. Like yeah. it was, Courtney was all about the push-up bra and um, yeah. So probably me tooed all over the place. <laughs> me tooed everywhere. Just like dripping in me too. Um, where would where you would, be? Where would Marcy have been? Oh, Marcy. I like Marcy. I love myself. I, people like me. I feel what like would Marcy would have, probably like gotten pregnant by Dave and <laughs> then had to leave the business, but was fine with it because she had a billion dollars. Had a billion dollars. Your uncle owned the network, right? Or your dad, <laughs> yeah. was it your uncle? We couldn't talk about it, but yeah, my uncle owned the network. She was, she was okay. So we we're all okay. Uh, all right. What would, what would this Lindsay right now in this moment say to that Lindsay back then? Like the one thing you would give her advice, like the most important thing you would give 22 year old Lindsay. Um, right? I would say feel comfortable having more of a voice and standing up for yourself. And when your instinct is to perform something a certain way, don't let people tell you that you're wrong. I, I, I there are so many moments where, I was on set and I just innately knew what needed to be done. And I was directed a certain way and told not to do something. And I wish I had the strength to say like, I am so happy to give you what you want, but I would like to also be able to do the one thing for myself. And I know that it may not have gone over well, but I feel like there's just was a lot of missed opportunity to just have strength and who I was and, and, to know how capable I was. I did not give myself credit for how capable I was. And since you were working so long, why didn't you give me advice on how to be a freaking normal person back then? <laughs> I feel like we were pretty normal. Oh my God. I had to go through so much hell to get here. But your hell was more, I feel like your, your, your personal life bled into your work life. Mm -hmm. And, and made it maybe more hellish just because you, you didn't have the stability. I think it's so, I think what you've done is so um, it, you should feel so empowered and, and get so much credit because to be out here without a family and to go through a life of like in and out of relationships to not, I had the stability of not just my family here, but I had a partner for 20 years going on this crazy ride with me and you were in and out of having pockets of people. Mm -hmm. And it's not easy to live an unstable career in an unstable personal life. So you have to give yourself so much credit for mm -hmm. getting to where you are, for being, you know, for being self-aware, for having the desire to find your voice and move forward and take charge. And I mean, we're like babies breaking out of our shell, learning that like our voices do matter. Which yeah. Is crazy. And I didn't grow up knowing my voice mattered. So it, it no. took me, I always say like, I'm such a late bloomer. And like you, like I said, all, I had, to, hello, I hosted a dinner party for four of my closest friends that were all pregnant, including you. Remember that? Yeah, I do remember All four that. people at the table, but me. And I was like, 
I was like, these bitches are crazy. Like I couldn't yeah. even imagine it. I was, I was like, and, and, and I was even like 36, seven, still not ready. I just, yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't a fully formed person. I just always tell people now, like I, I finally accept and forgive myself, which is part of, I think the biggest thing is forgiving yourself of all the mistakes I made because I wasn't, that was my journey. Like if I met this person now, I would have blown it completely. Like I, it this, this has, has been my journey to get here. Yes. You, know? you have to make the mistakes. Life is very messy, but also, like I say, life is interesting and it's what gives you color and it's what gives you your stories to tell when you get older. And it really does. And yeah. the stories, like, especially you, I mean, your girls are so lucky, like that they had a mom that has done so much and been through so much. Cause like, that's part of my look, look, looking up to my mom, you know, like she had so much to offer me because of all of her mistakes and all of her work. And that's what you're going to have for your girls. They are, you're going to, they are going to look up to you and be like, mom did what? Yeah. And now I try to, you know, turn the rejection or, you know, like we're all together in this bubble right now. So they're hearing if I put myself on tape. And so my eight-year-old is always like, did you hear, did you get the job? And like trying to explain that it doesn't really, it's not that fast and it doesn't work that way. But then also saying like, yeah, I did hear and I didn't get the job. And, you know, I'm really sad about it because it was something that I really, I really wanted, but it just makes me want to, you know, try harder and keep going for the next one. And I'm like, oh, I get to turn this pain and this bad feeling into a lesson. Even, even Dar was my husband. We were talking the other night and he's like, your recovery period is like, he's like, I don't even know when you get bad news anymore because it does like where it used to be, you know, tears and we'd have to talk about it. Cause I'm just like, I don't have the energy. I don't have the time. And also they don't get to break me. I know I'm good. I've just hit this place where I know that I'm good and I'm not going to let not getting these jobs define myself. Damn right. That is the best way to end this podcast. That is the (laughs) best way because you know what? You're right. And I finally got to that point too. I went through the worst period of my life, personally, professionally, physically. And now it's like, I feel the same. It's like, it's like, they're not going to break me. You're not going to break me now. And I love that you said that you still haven't got like, I was going to say, you know, I I always ask people, you know, well, what do you think your next act is? But you said it, it's like, I feel exactly the same. You haven't gotten to do your, you know, your Meryl Streep, your Sophie's choice yet. And you know that you can, and you know that you will. And that's how you have to believe, you have to believe that because you're right. You still have, we, we're not, and now, by the way, now, remember when we thought 40, 40 was old? Like, now I'm like, what? Like, yeah. like, what? Like, have you seen some, have you seen JLo? Like, like. Well, I'm always like, Jennifer Aniston is our, is our guiding light, is our dude, North Star. And I'm like, dude, 50 like, hot. Like, get me to 50 because she yeah. looks amazing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, it does take a little extra work and maybe a little help here and there. Not, ain't nothing wrong with that. It exists. It exists. It does exist. And it's not over it's never over. And now we get to take charge. Like you said, we get to decide and we get to be creative and we get to continue. And we get to do it at a time where it's recognized that our voices do matter. And that if we're ever in a position where we start to feel small or feel like there's someone that is trying to, you know, take our, our power away from us, that we, I think now would have the strength to stand up for ourselves in a way that, you know, I'm excited to go, work and be creative in an environment where I can trust my instincts more than I've ever been able to do before. So 
And also I'm excited to, to go. I mean, I just worked on blue bloods and I was so, I was just so grateful they had me back, you know? And I, I just was sitting at the table. I was just like, I love this so much. Like I, this is, I'm, I'm good at this, man. Like, I, that, like this is who I am. And it just gives you that, like, you just rem- remember, like, this is why we do this. I yeah. love it. We're good at it. Whether it's, whether it's, I don't care what the job is. No, I mean, I remember growing up, like if I heard my dad on a work call and you can just tell, like there, it, it feeds into your energy of the day. If you hang up the phone, you're like, I nailed that. I was great at that. I, or this is a community. I feel that I should be a part of. I see it in my husband. Who's not an actor. I see it even in my kids. Like when my daughter is part of like, does great on a spelling bee. It's like that youthful. We get to have that thing of like, I feel good in my skin right now. Being on a set makes you and I feel really good in our skin. And so I think we just have to keep chasing the opportunities where we get to, you know, experience that. Yeah, I totally agree. And support I love you, Lindy. I love you, Bonabom. You're literally one of my oldest and best and dearest friends. I'm really I proud. I get emotional right now because I just like, we've been <laughs> so much together. Like you're just so, so, so important to me. I mean, I literally like the first friend I ever had as an actress, like. Highs, lows, so much heartbreak. So much heartbreak and, and babies. Aww. All of it. Well, All I can't wait it. to see you and hug you. I can't wait to hug you too. I, I mean, don't hug me for a while. I'll get <laughs> right before I see you, I, I promise. Don't too close to me. But. <laughs> Thank you so much for being so open and honest. I love you, friend. I love you, friend. Told ya. I told you we got into some good shit, didn't I? I'm not crying. I'm done crying. I'm really mad. I forgot to bring up my favorite, one of my favorite things that she's done that I know you've all seen. It was a huge cult hit. Bring it on. Hello, Big Red. God. I, you know, I went to see that movie with her, the first screening of it. I went with a big giant group. We saw it in the theater in the valley. Oh my God. I forgot to mention that. Anyway, God, I love her. Follow her on um, Instagram. She's Lindsay Sloan up at Instagram if you want to follow her. And don't forget, please follow me at Bond Somerville, which is my Instagram. And send me those questions because I am going to start answering them. Send me whatever you want. You never know. You never know what I might pick. And um, second act underscore pod is the official Instagram page for this podcast. So please follow me there as well. I'm so glad that you were here with me for that one. I'm really, really proud of that one. And I feel like we shared a lot. And um, thank you so much for listening. Please give me that five-star review. Download, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts. And say something nice. Say something mean. I don't care. Just leave five stars. Fuck it. Why not? I'm really excited to keep going. I love doing this, you guys. And I love you for listening. And I hope that you all really enjoyed that super personal, intimate, intimate interview. Have a great one wherever you are. Sending out love to the world. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.